0: hello everyone welcome to a brand new episode of the all hoops podcast i'm steven inman and i'm joining my co-host and producer chris brito this is our final all hoops episode of the decade so chris and i will present our knicks all decade teams as well as discuss if there's anything to the kyle kuzma drama in la before we get to all that chris my friend happy new year how were the last few days of 2019 treating you?
1: Hey, buddy. I uh, can't complain. You know, I've been with my girlfriend, my family. Um, I, I'm going to see you on New Year's Eve, so I can't complain. Life is good. Um, even the Knicks got a win last night, so things are definitely looking up.
0: That's great to hear, my friend. Let's get to the Knicks. Uh, they play the Wizards, uh, the Bradley beal Wizards. They uh, basically... The Wizards hung around. You know, the Knicks played no defense at all. That goes for everyone on the team. And uh, they hung around. Julius Randle hit some big shots at the end. So the Knicks won. They improved to eight. Was it nine and 24? No, nine and 24. And um, look, this is a game they had to have. You look at the schedule, it's going to get real tough soon. They have a West Coast trip coming up uh, right after the new year where they're going to see both both LA teams and the Jazz then they come back home and they're going to see you know the Heat and the Sixers and the Bucks, so it, it's it's going to be rough. So you really needed to get as many wins as you can against injured teams. The Wizards were without seven rotation players. Chris, I don't want to poo poo the win too much. A win's a win, but uh, good yeah. So good job by the Knicks to get this one because they really really needed it.
1: <laughs> as you said, it was a good win because the team is finally learning how to close games, even those against a really bad team in the Wizards. Um, but you know what? The ninth win is a ninth win, right? And you know, you can get as much as 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 long as they're learning and and figuring how to win these games. That's what matters. You know, Frank had a good game. You know, RJ Barrett had like what fourteen points, um, and we're seeing the emergence of Julius Randle. He's becoming the player that we thought he was going to be heading into the season. I mean, it's only taken him like two months, but you know what? He's playing a lot more efficiently, a lot more, a lot smarter. Um, You know, Mitch Robb is also getting minutes. So things are definitely looking up. Um, And just because like the Wizards didn't have Bradley Beal, um, it doesn't take away anything from the from 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 the victory, in my opinion. Yeah, Um, this, this is still a team that's learning how to win games. And, you know, I'll take it. I'll take. I'll take the win over whoever it is. A win is a win.
0: Yeah, they now have more wins on the road than at home somehow, Chris. Um, and as you said, Julius Randle, thir- uh, three straight games with 30-plus points. This is the kind of uh, – not that we're expecting 30-plus points every night, but this is the kind of guy we hope to see a go-to guy on offense, a leader, and uh, it's been very encouraging, Chris. And also, I give I want to give Alfred Payton some credit, too. I know he had five or six turnovers last night, uh, but he's getting the ball to Julius in good spots where instead of – Randall having to just start a three point line and run to the rim and get turnovers. He's getting into spots where he has to make one quick move and can score on a one on one, and that's really important. I think having a point guard there who knows where the guys want the ball, I think that makes all the difference in the world. Uh, speaking of point guards, though, Chris, uh, yeah, Dennis Smith Jr. reportedly wants a trade, and after getting in a trade last year, it seems like this was kind of his team last year to, you know, develop and become a better player and actually see if he could become a point guard and everything has gone wrong from this year he had the death in the family he's been injured he's been benched and um if this is tr- i don't know if this is true but if it is you know what chris whatever bye bye.
1: yeah um it's been a really tough season for dennis and certainly whatever he did to his jump shot over the summer that little hinge in his shot certainly didn't like improve things for him because he can't shoot can't he does get to he get he does get to the rim at will but even so it's not enough for a team that you know had a lot of expectations for him going in and moving forward the the best path for him is probably to go on another team you know there are a couple there are probably a few suitors you know it, it seems like the timberwolves are interested um i think a team like the Magic could really use a guy like him. You know, they found their guy in Markel Fultz, but I think that team needs to get younger and needs more of a scoring punch. Dennis Smith might be the guy for them. He'd fit in great with them. You know, considering, you know, Fournier is is, is bound to be a, a, a free agent this offseason, you know, they're going ha- to the, the have to make some big decisions whether to resign him or not. Having someone like Dennis Smith Jr. to, you know, offload the scoring a bit might let them reconsider their options when once the summer hits.
0: Yeah, Chris, I think Orlando makes all the sense in the world because, as you said, they have some tough decisions to make coming up. Aaron Gordon is not really taking that step forward. They hoped he would. You know, Jonathan Isaac's a really good defensive player who's learning offense, but, you know, they just need a minor scoring punch. And Dennis Smith is not going to cost a lot for them, so they really need to take chances on cheap young players, hoping they can develop them as offensive players because – your alternative is basically giving Evan Fournier $20 million a year to keep arguably the worst offense in the NBA. So they're going to have to take chances like this. And I think a guy like Dennis Smith Jr., who's going to at most cost a lottery protected first, the Knicks would be thrilled, I would think, if they can get that. I would think that makes all the sense in the world for Orlando.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to secure that. But. I don't
0: either. I'm saying like if that's the most he'd cost – you know, Orlando should be taking risks like that. As they did with Fultz last year. I think they gave up a top 20 protected first rounder to go get Markel Fultz. That seems to be working out so far.
1: Especially if it seems that Orlando Magic are probably going to pick between the, you know, they are probably make the playoffs. So they'll probably pick between like 16 and, you know, 18 in the draft. So I think that'll be a good pick for Dennis Smith, obviously. Um, All right, let's head over to a, a much more, you know to, relevant topic considering it's going to be 2020 in, in just a few days um you know the 2010s have been a very very challenging year for the Knicks you know we saw Carmelo Anthony come to this team we saw Amare you know pretty much inspire the whole Knicks fan base when he came over you know but we also saw some really bad low lights you know we drafted KP but then let him go um and now in the current mess where we're rebuilding once again in for for probably the third time this decade. Um, that being said, I really want to take back and look and reflect on this decade, and you know, see what do you for you? What's your favorite memory from the 2010s?
0: Okay, well, uh, yeah. Before we get to our teams, you know, my moment of the decade is uh, Carmelo Anthony having a 62 point game against the Charlotte. I think they were the Bobcats back then. This was January 24th, 2014. It was an incredible performance chris and you know everyone was kind of just rooting for him to go and go and go and it was just one of the really my favorite times as a Knicks fan just seeing him go for that Knicks all time record which he did get and um you know it was obviously a terrible terrible decade for new york basketball here and um having that one little moment in one random january game in a lost season it um it made things a little better that day
1: yeah i mean i remember watching like i think i I remember watching that game at the bar, and, and I couldn't believe how Melo was doing it. You know, he finally had his, his big signature moment in MSG, um, and him doing it in front of the home crowd, cheering him on. You know, good for him. Good for him for having that, that point. And, you know, I think, I think the Knicks will consider putting his jersey up there. Um, I have another—I don't, don't know if I want to call it the, my favorite memory, but I think it's the most defining memory of this decade for me. And that has to be the Roy Hibbert block on Carmelo Anthony in game six of the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, You know, the Knicks were making a run to catch up, I believe. And I think that would have put him up, I think, by a few points. And Carmelo goes for that block and goes for that dunk and he gets blocked at the rim. You know, basically, it was defining because the team was just so close to making it to the next—I mean— or forcing another game seven, and like the Knicks were probably won at home, um, guaranteeing themselves uh, a, a date against the Miami Heat, which I think we matched up really well against. We so we swept them in the season. We just matched up really well with them. You know, we had crazy three point shooting um, and a good veteran team. I thought we had a great chance to make it to the NBA Finals that year. And I know I'm sipping the, I know I'm sipping the juice, but you know. You know that was just like such a great team, such a fun team to watch. Knicks tape, and for it to go down the way it did, man, is one of my, it like one of the biggest could have been's I think in in Knicks sports history.
0: Yeah, Chris, uh, there was no chance they were beating the Miami Heat. They had LeBron James in his prime, Dwayne Wade in his prime, Chris Bosh in his prime. You know, a guy like Shane Battier who defends guys like Carmelo Anthony so well. I understand the Knicks won four regular season games against them but who cares? You know, regular season doesn't matter. We've been over this a million times. And, you know, like the Knicks, Knicks can beat the, you know, the heat or, you know, the Lakers all the times they play. the can, It doesn't mean they're you better.
1: You can, you can say that it doesn't matter, but if you're, if Miami heat suits up their star players to play against the Knicks and we still crush them, I think that counts for something too. Despite, you know, you know, all this thing about resting and players showing up, like, you know, LeBron still played, and we still beat them. And we can go back and forth by saying the Raiders doesn't matter, but it's still a prelude to to the postseason. Mm-hmm. And you can at least have a good idea of who matches up well and who doesn't match up with who
0: doesn't. We just saw what the Sixers did to Giannis and the Bucks. Would you say right now the Sixers are the favorite to come out of the East?
1: Not Maybe not the East, but I definitely think they could beat the Bucks. Okay. And I don't think it's crazy. And I don't think it's crazy to say that.
0: You, I mean, I, I you think know? they can beat the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, I, would you say you think right now they will beat the Bucks? Right now, yes. okay. See, I think you're overvaluing well, the, the regular season. I, I think
1: because while you can say that you know the regular season doesn't matter all those things, sure, but what what ends up mattering in the playoffs are matchups, yes. right? And if and if listen, I don't think the six the Sixers are necessarily better than the Heat. Or the Celtics, but I do think that they could probably have a great chance of beating the Bucks just because that they're designed to beat someone like Giannis, because Giannis crowds the middle. He can't really shoot well. You have two bigs who crowd the middle. What is Giannis going to do? They that's what they did the other game um, on on Christmas Day. So I think it's all about matchups, honestly, and. I think that year the Knicks had a great chance of being the heat just cuz of like how they moved the ball like I'm not saying they were the Spurs but I'm just saying like just a team just the way this was designed the Knicks had a great chance because of their three point shooting and Carmelo Anthony was having the best year. You know, he he led the, he led the league in scoring that year. Like I don't I don't as great as Shane Battier is, you know, he's nothing comparable and you know
0: this. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, that's those are some good points right there for sure. Um I really would have wished we got to see that. And um, I think it's interesting as you said that the moment of the decade is mellow in his prime getting blocked by Roy Hibbert and that kind of ended the Knicks' run. You know, they didn't make the playoffs again, you know, for that entire era and that was only what 2013. So um certainly it was a disappointing decade in terms of playoff accomplishments and uh let's get to our all decade team real quick chris i think the theme of this decade is longevity and the idea is that the Knicks didn't really have much and basically they were so much roster turnover there was multiple rebuilds um a couple of failed rebuilds that didn't really turn out a lot of young players a lot of players who stuck around long term i mean how many of these guys even played more than three years on this team. So my team, I try to stick with more longevity guys who were able to stick around in a starting lineup for at least three years. So I'm starting with Raymond Felton, who, I mean, the idea of him as a starting point guard on an all decade team is comical. Um, He was, he had some really good moments. He had some moments where the second time around, he was almost considered an Albatross contract making 4 million a year. And they they traded Tyson Chandler to dump him uh, to get a worse contract in Jose Calderon. So that tells you all you need to know there. Uh, my shooting guard told me Lance Thomas, who had some really good moments as a Nick, he was actually traded for a uh, J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert. He was the only really player who came back that helped the Knicks. Uh, he had some good moments, but again, this is more about the fact that they just had no one, no real guards for the entire decade, more than a year apart. I mean, I almost consider putting Damian Dotson on this team because it's just such a bad group Um, you'll get we'll get to yours which is a little different but for me the idea that Lance was here five years and contributed he was also the team captain at one point I would think uh, that held more to me than a guy who had a better year but just for one year Um, Carmelo obviously is the three Uh, you if you want to make him a four that's fine he played better at the four even though he wanted to be a three uh, Amari is my four. He kind of started the Knicks success by signing here. Remember, he signed that big 5-year, 100 million dollar deal and he said, "Look, the Knicks are back." And they were back, Chris. They were not we were not a championship caliber team, but we were a fun exciting team that was able to be a perennial playoff team for those couple years, and that was really enjoyable to me and that doesn't happen without Amari. So he deserves a ton of credit and Look, if he fit in better with Carmelo, maybe things are different. And we're talking about this with more positivity. And uh, then he punched the fire extinguisher, remember, in Miami, which uh, really derailed that playoff run, even though they were about to lose anyway. And then, uh, you know, he had some big moments. Remember when he first got here, Chris, how excited we were?
1: Uh, Steve, That when he hit the fire extinguisher, that was the, the series where he won one game.
0: I think they were down 3-0. That made them down 3-0. And then he punches the fire extinguisher, breaks his hand. He's done. And then uh, they go back. I think they go back to the garden where like Mike Bibby and like uh Baron Davis had that crazy game. Baron Davis and blew his knee. Uh And then they they remember they were think they were down three one at the time, and they had all the confetti coming down after they won that first playoff game in what seems like decades. And I was like, oh, this is, this is so classless for you know to be going against the defending champs, you win one game against them in the first round and you're throwing confetti. Uh, But regardless, uh, then, you know, Tyson Chandler to me is the center. He uh, won defensive player of the year. He was a monster in the paint, Chris. And uh, if, you know, a guy like Mitchell Robinson can become half as good and savvy as he was in his prime, you're going to have a really good player there. And then my sixth man's J.R. Smith. I think, you know, J.R. Smith won the uh, sixth man of the year during our big year. He had some really great moments as a Nick. We kind of think of him and laugh because of, you know, forgetting the score and, you know, all these crazy things. But, you know, overall as a Nick, he was a very good player. And, um, you know, remember we got him when – during the lockout when he was in Japan. And I remember we had this big game against the Mavs and we signed him out of Japan. He just comes in and he starts drilling threes. And it was just such a big jolt for that season when all of a sudden we were starting to get a little bit of a lull and he comes in. And he had a, uh, some great few years with the Knicks. And,
1: uh, yeah, and then I think we, I think a few weeks after that, we signed Kenyon Martin too, which also – Yeah, was he,
0: I think he might have been Japan as well. Or I'm sorry, China. No, 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 no.
1: China. They, they were both were in China. China.
0: Yes. Um, I think that have made uh, – those two guys really made a big difference. And then Mike Woodson's the coach. Chris, it comes down to this. He was the only coach with a winning record, I believe. So that's really all you, that's yeah. really all you need to know there.
1: Um, I'm with you on Mike Woodson. Uh, I'm with you on Melo, obviously. Um, uh, Stoudemire gets a special mention as my sixth man. I mean, I know he didn't play in that role, but I think he was. A, you could make the argument that he was like among the six. Like for me, I saw this list as like maybe the the best players at each position, and maybe like the most honorable mention for me, uh, which for me is Amari Stoudemire. Um, I'm going to start with Felton also Felton, I think was probably the only stability we had at point guard in this whole decade. And that was the beginning of this decade. Um, we've consistently failed at finding a floor leader. Felton has been the only one that has really been there for a while. (laughs) Um, like if you think about it, I think we've had a, a different point guard every year.
0: Yeah. I think that's, um, that's true.
1: And hopefully in this next era, we find the one, you know, a starting point guard that can actually run a team and that we can stick with him too. For me, it's J.R. Smith, at shooting guard. I think no one else comes even close to him. You know, he in, at times frustrated us, but at other times, you know, he gave us like, you know, he was just the most fun player, most exciting player on the court. Additionally, he was just a guy who, who, who was basically the number two to Melo. Um, when it comes when it came to game, you know, um, scoring options, and so you know, remember that game winner against the Suns, you know, and I I, I believe against um, might have been the Bob Bobcats or the Hornets. I don't I forget what they were called at the time. Um, also, um, I think at the center position you got to put Mitch Rob. I think even though he joined the t- he obviously joined the team at the end of this era, um, you know, he be- basically signifies like this new era Knicks and he's very similar to Tyson you know I think Mitch Rob oozes with potential and I think he's gonna be a, a star in the making the other guy I have on my list you got to go with Porzingis Porzingis as much as we may dislike him dislike how he left the Knicks he was arguably maybe the second most important player of this decade you know you know we had so much, we had such high hopes for him We thought we were going to build a championship team around him. Now he's really flourishing in Dallas. You know, what could have been there also? Could you imagine a team with, you know, RJ Barrett, Porzingis, Mitch Robb right now? I don't even know. I I could imagine
0: that. And it's really frustrating to think about. Um, I think Porzingis is a good point, Chris. And as you said, he's probably the second most important player of this next decade. I think that's very well said. And uh, Chris, I just couldn't put Mitch Robb on my team because he's played less than a hundred career games, you know? And it's like, as you said, there's not a lot of options here, but that's such a small sample size to be in an all decade team.
1: Yeah. I just, I I kind of go about it by like, you know, if you're starting a team right now, you'd probably go with Mitch Robb from all the players that we had this decade. I just really like Mitch Robb. He, for me, he's the most like you know, such as he's such a a player that can insert his will and uh, impact the game defensively. Like him, I don't think we've really had that. You know, you can make the argument for Tyson, but you know, his, you know, he couldn't even guard Roy Hibbert.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. Um, I certainly hope that Mitch Robb is on my 2020s All Decade team. If that happened, something
1: went very right. I agree. Um, you want? Let's head over to final thoughts, right? Um, Staying on the Knicks theme, the next game for the Knicks will be against the Trailblazers, which will have our boy Carmelo Anthony. He's returning to the garden, and you know, it's a game I really wanted to go watch, but it looks like I'm gonna go watch it from TV. Yeah,
0: uh, the price is really shot up there at the end, Chris. It's over a hundred bucks, 150 bucks. Um, Look, I think uh, Melo deserves the ovation he's going to get. I think this is his first time back at the Garden, correct? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Wednesday's going to be a really special day. And uh, then the Knicks started this brutal West Coast trip, as we said, uh, with both LA teams and Utah. So, it was really important for them to win that Washington game, which they did. And then, uh, speaking of LA, Chris, there's some crazy stuff going on with Kyle Kuzma and his trainer criticizing LeBron. Kuzma's come out and said, no, this isn't true. And uh, he better say it's not true. If not, he's being traded to Memphis. So, I would think – this is a smart thing for him to back out of this and say, you know, my trainer is saying all this crazy stuff. I'm not saying it. And then, um, you know, he wants to – obviously he wants to stay there and see if he can turn this around. But if I'm the Knicks, I'm calling and saying, hey, what what bets can we throw out there to get a chance at Kyle Kuzma? You know,
1: and listen, I, and listen uh, regarding the trade with with Kuzma in the Knicks, it's not that crazy because they could use a guy like Marcus, Marcus a guy who knows, a guy who's tough. A guy who could probably guard Kawhi or Paul George, you know, you throw him in with a Dennis Smith Jr. and and um, you know maybe even a Taj Gibson and and I think it's a deal, but I don't know how highly they regard Kyle Kuzma, which may be the issue, but he hasn't really meshed well with that Lakers offense.
0: Yeah, no, I um I I totally get that, and um I would think uh it's going to cost more than Morris and then um we'll see from there. And uh, and then uh Chris, I want to bring up this crazy finish Saturday night between the Heat and the Sixers. You know, that's going to be an a, a great seven-game playoff series if we get it. You know, Tyler Hero had the uh heroics as you will uh to uh get the game, you know, going. They they then Ben Simmons has this crazy putback into the overtime and uh, the Heat win by 117-116 one, in overtime and Chris you know, either of those teams would be a great, great uh, matchup for the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: Yeah, I think um, the Heat are definitely the most, the most surprising team of the NBA. You have to make the, you have to make the argument that Eric Spoelstra deserves to be, you know, Coach of the Year again. Um, you know, he's doing it basically with the same team as last year, plus Jimmy Butler, and now they're basically at the top of the conference. So, you know, I, I love to see Jimmy, you know, really flourishing like the way he is right now in Miami. After some, like, you know, it looks like he didn't really mesh really well with the Sixers, you know, much less the Wolves or the Bulls. So it looks like he's really happy in Miami.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's a perfect fit. It's something we all kind of doubted whether he could be a number one guy in Miami. And uh, it's certainly working out that way.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Zach Randolph is retiring, you know, after a lengthy career. You know, he started without the Trailblazers um, and he's finishing his career with, you know, by playing with, with the Grizzlies. Um, what a great career for him, you know, kind of underrated a little bit. Um, he made, did most of his damage down in the post and he had a great, great, you know, you know, duo with Marcus soul with those years with the grit and grind Grizzlies from a few years back. Um, but I remember when he was part of the Knicks and Isaiah Thomas really wanted to make the Eddie Curry. Zach Randolph thing work and I believe I'm not sure if it was a season opener or not but they basically played against the Celtics who had KG and everybody and we got destroyed by like 40 points yeah um look, I don't know if you're
0: yeah that. uh that it kind of rings a bell you know there's been so many terrible games <laughs> this decade for sure <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Chris. My final thought here is, uh, what's going on with the T Wolves? I mean, I understand uh, Towns has been hurt the last couple of games, but they've lost twelve of thirteen. They're allowing nearly one hundred and eighteen a game. It seems like Wiggins has kind of gone gone back to what he was after the hot start, and we might have been too quick to say he's he's uh really turning into something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who knows the Wolves? You know, it, I don't think it's a very talented team to begin with. Like, apart from Towns, and apart from. Wiggins, what do you really have? Yeah,
0: that's a good point. I mean, I like Robert Covington. Uh, he's a nice uh, three and D guy, but um, there's not a lot there, and um, you know, they're 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 circling towards the bottom of the West. So that's another team the Knicks are going to have to contend with in terms of uh, again that number one pick.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, with that being said, everyone, thank you for listening to the All Hoops podcast. Uh, make sure to give us a like on our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. Uh, we wish you all from the bottom of our hearts have a happy new year, happy have a happy and safe new year and you know we hope you guys keep listening to us in twenty twenty happy new year guys.